Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt, where I look at the week's financial news that can be confusing, misleading, and take you off course and help to make it actionable, understandable, and clear. What a great show we've got for you this week. We are actually going into Robert Hunt's corner, the RHF corner. We're coming back. It's not every week that we have to saturate this broadcast with news articles sometimes. It's just nice to step on into the corner. It's always a wonderful day in the neighborhood here. And we're going to look at borrowing money, particularly borrowing money today versus borrowing money two or three years ago. Stocks on margin, mortgage, car loans. My latest thoughts on how to optimize that area of your life. We then see a Scott Burns article, Dallas Morning News, Investment paralysis isn't to be lamented. It deserves praise. Woo. Scott Burns again with a great article to remind us of the blessing of inaction. And then to close it out, foreign investors are back. Japan stocks surged to their highest since 1990. If you're a friend of the show and have hung around... You know, we've been banging this drum for some years. So what a validation of this broadcast and our own research at the RHF Research Corner here. So let's start off the top. Let's talk about borrowing money. So last week, we camped out on money market rates and savings rates and optimizing your cash holdings for the very best yield. Now, something we don't talk about a lot here is borrowing money. How do we borrow optimally? Well, sometimes the way to borrow money optimally is to not borrow it at all, a la Dave Ramsey, a la The borrower is slave to the lender, but the rich rule over the poor. So my first idea with anyone I meet with is actually to propose that it is permissible not to borrow money, not to have debt on your personal balance sheet. Oftentimes, this is a revelatory statement I make. It is the case that for most folks, they have seen enough financial advertising or have walked into enough car dealers or banks or wealth manager shops that borrowing is as common as Kleenex on the countertop. It's just always there. Why would I avoid it? It's pushed this way and that. One thing to remember, investor, is no one will advocate for you quite as well as you. Now, I'd put an asterisk by that and say a well-informed you that has folks advising you well. I think we can be our own worst advisors because of our emotions and the psychology of money. But you know no one's going to advocate for you quite like you. In the area of borrowing for money, what I have seen, friends, is a whole lot of money pushed Onto people. And that may not have been that big a deal a couple years ago. OK, 
Okay, so just to show you how quick things have moved with interest rates rising, all the blessing and benefit we may experience at 5% savings rates at Vanguard Money Market Fund or uh, maybe your brokerage or your online bank's offering you 4%, 4.5%. On the borrowing side, not quite as fun. So 30-year mortgage rates, I'm hearing 6.5%. Okay, that's right, 6.5%. Margin loan rates. These are uh, loans that brokerage houses will make to you against your stocks. Rates are pretty close. A little over 6.5%, sometimes 7%, sometimes higher. So I'm, I'm, I'm listing the, 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 the good rates there. And then uh, car loans can be a funny game. They can juice those to get you to buy something and then basically charge you more for the car. It's a bit of a dealer trick. But those are really high too. So Whenever I review someone's personal finances, first time, intake meeting, and I see debt on the balance sheet today, and it's debt that they've borrowed recently, so at some of these elevated rates, or it was floating rate debt, a lot of times these margin loans, maybe you started borrowing at 2%, now you're at 65 or 7 My favorite investment idea, my favorite one in our meeting, and I usually, look, after each meeting, I try to send out two or three homework assignments, action items, my favorite idea is pay off the debt. And that's usually a bit of a, huh? I thought I came, I thought I came to Robert Hunt Financial for them to for him to tell me what to invest in, not to, you know, not to pay off debt. But you see, listener, you see that is the investment. Paying off the debt is the investment. So I seek to change the mindset of the investor. So let's just pretend you had a 7% margin loan. And you were thinking about what new investment should I make? And you had these different options available to you. And now in some cases, they may be rare, but it will be permissible and advisable for you to borrow at that kind of elevated rate because you have such a good business opportunity before you. But it's going to be rare. In most cases, the investor will have a set of options and opportunities that are available to all men. Meaning, you can invest in index funds, you can invest in bonds, you can invest in cash, short-term holdings. But I try to convince the investor, look at debt as an investment opportunity. If you are borrowing at 7%, I then put it on the list of potential investments and say, what if I could guarantee you a 7% return? Well, that's pretty good. What if I? What if you could buy a bond that was a seven percent, seven percent yield, but it was tax free, kind of like a municipal bond? Well, that's you know, it's not exactly the same, but it's it's kind of like paying off debt. It's it's that clean of return. It's a it's a guaranteed deal. Once you paid on debt, you actually aren't borrowing at that rate anymore. So that, especially today in these elevated interest rates, that's one of my favorite ideas. Moreover, it simplifies your life, it lowers your risk. Now, I think it can be difficult mentally sometimes to pay off debt because it feels like you're playing defense, not offense. When people come to Robert Hunt Financial, they're usually there to play offense. They want me to draw up the, the Mike Leach spread and kind of show them that, hey, we're going to just tear it up and move, 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 go fast, 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 but sometimes you got to you got to run the veer and you got to block and tackle 
And that's what paying down debt is. And that's a, important for a strong foundation. So be willing and, and be wary sometimes when you hear financial advice. If you have higher interest rate debt and you are listening to advice from someone and that doesn't come up as one of their ideas or one of their best ideas, you may have some perverse incentives at play. Sometimes wealth managers will not advocate for you paying down your margin loan. Why do you think that is, class? Well, they like as much in your assets under management as possible, and they're making fees on the, on the margin loan. So it's important that you get financial advice from someone who isn't compensated by what you buy. You want objective financial advice. That happens to be what Robert Hunt financial dispenses. So a little advertisement there for you. So up next, Mr. Scott Burns. This is a Dallas Morning News article that ran uh, this Sunday, this previous Sunday. Headline investment paralysis isn't to be lamented. It deserves praise. This was a great article. Scott Burns is kind of that Old Testament prophet. He just keeps going. Uh, it's kind of a hear ye, hear ye. He's cut from the John the Baptist cloth. Uh, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. But Scott would say, you wonderful investors who warned you to flee from the fees to come. And so he has for I don't know how long, as long as I can remember being alive. This article was excellent. Um, There's a reference I don't understand, but he said, new research indicated that professional money managers should shuffle off and join singer Randy Newman's short people. This millennial Robert Hunt does not know what that means, but perhaps some of my other listeners can ping me if you understand the reference. Sad for them, I guess. Fortunately for them, it says, Many find that high compensation with no heavy lifting offsets the futility of work. The news was simple, Burns continues. The new research showed that making no investment changes whatsoever was vastly superior to what money managers do, make decisions that result in investment changes. I'm serious about the whatsoever part. So this article was was funny because it actually even highlights that doing nothing is actually even better than index funds. This was, I just laughed at this. In mid-April, Wall Street Journal columnist Jason Zwig another friend of the show here, laid out research by three finance professors, uh, one of which was at Southern Methodist University, right down the road here, Fing Zhang at Southern Methodist University. They found, as the SPIVA studies I've cited many times, they found that the longer the investment period, the lower the percentage of managed funds that beat a broad index like the S&P. Check this out. They, They estimated that investors missed an additional $1 trillion, that's with a T, in wealth by going with stock pickers over broad index funds. Can you imagine that class? That a trillion dollars was <laughs> missed because people just elected to go to the casino, to go to the active stock picking. That's with a T, trillion. <sighs> I love this. They also found that money managers, uh, that as money managers focus their decisions on a small number of stocks, betting more on the quality of their decisions, the greater their odds of their performance would trail a broad index fund. Yeah. It continues so much for brave bets and big commitments. This is just statistics 101. Investor, if you really want to know how the bodies are buried and how folks get away with the promises they make, it's a lack of understanding of statistics by the broader population. They are messing with you. Be sure to arm yourself. I need to find a book on statistics that is kind of the... I don't know if there's a great one that's easy, but just 
Get on YouTube, learn statistics. It's going to save you from advertising. It's bad. In the 10-year period ending March 31st, 2023, one of these gentlemen, Patekic, found that the do-nothing portfolio was about equal. So this is a do-nothing portfolio. That means they don't rotate the holdings. So the S&P 500, when, some, when a stock rolls out of the index, a new one is put in, they're saying, hey, what if we just didn't do anything? What if we literally put invested in the, the index and for 10 years didn't replace anything? When something came out, it went to cash. This do-nothing portfolio was equal to the S&P 500, but it was less risky due to the accumulated cash holdings. He found similar results for 10-year periods ending in uh, March of 13 and March of 03. Over the full 30-year period, the do-nothing portfolio provided a slightly higher return at less risk. Now, that's amazing because that's even taken aim at the beloved index fund. What's the lesson? Well, again, sermon that just can't be said enough. You can't be catechized enough in this because you're getting catechized and doing the wrong thing. Doing nothing paradoxically, in investing is superior. This is a truth that doesn't go very far. So I would not recommend this in your marriage, in your spiritual life, in your business, or in your career. However, in your investing, I mean, I think, I think there's a case to be made that in your gardening, there's some things, you know, sometimes you mess too much with the plants. But the case here is that in your investing, doing nothing is actually optimal. And that is so contrary, so contrary, to almost every other arena in our life that it's difficult to believe. So here at the Robin Hood Financial Market update, we're just gonna keep hammering the truth home. So do not, do not feel the need to hop in and out of things, change things. Scott Burns, and I didn't know this research, that there were, there's research that shows that even if you just didn't even change the index holdings, you actually did better. Who knew you have to, who knew there was people that you could do even less than the index? You don't have to adjust the index. You literally just sit there. And this is also why when I move people out of their, um, you know, sometimes I I move people from big bank XYZ or wealth manager XYZ and they picked all these crazy stocks or whatever. If there is a bunch of tax consequences for selling their existing securities, which keep them, create your own index, hope for the best. And then, and then in closing, final article here, foreign investors are back. Japan stock surges are high since 1990. So cue, cue the Drake music. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Put it on the clean version here. We don't want any un- unwholesome talk coming out of anybody's mouth. But for all the listeners out there, you know that for 17 years now, United States markets had outperformed international, and you couldn't get an American investor to look at an international stock, even if you paid them to do it. Not easy. But what's happened? It's happening, class. It's turning. Now, I've been warning about this for years and been advocating for an allocation to international stocks, not because I think you can't be 100% domestic. The great Warren Buffett and the great John Bogle advocate for 100% domestic. What they have that you don't, is the ability to ride these things out. So these foreign invest, these foreign stocks, they may outperform for the next decade. I don't know. The answer is not rotate all, you know, try to make big bets and rotate into foreign stocks, rotate into domestic. The answer here is when you see headlines like this, is own it all. Don't try to find the needle in the haystack. Buy the whole haystack, as John Bogle said. So this article just 
is one of many. You're going to start seeing these if this key continues. The topics, their index rose 0.6 on Tuesdays and traded higher. Foreign investors are back, as the article says, which says something about the nature of the equity market recovery in Japan. Society General's Asia equity strategist Frank Benmizra said on a Tuesday note. This is less of a duration trade and a broad-based upturn based on fundamentals, robust domestic demand, and more generous distribution policy share buybacks. Warren Buffett himself, actually, who I quoted earlier, he actually did, he's, he's mentioned this article because he bought stakes in these five big Japanese companies that he thought were undervalued. Um, so the, the answer here, class, is not, oh dear, I need to start selling down domestic and buying international... The answer is that I need to be, I need to have a broad-based portfolio that is inclusive of every geographic area so that I'm not jumping in and out and performance chasing. The, the purpose in my mind of international stocks is not that you're going to outperform. If you were able to stick with your whole life with U.S. stocks, you'd probably be fine. But it's why, why, why take on that risk if you don't have to? Because you don't. It's, it's a click of the button. You don't have to fly to Japan to buy these stocks. You can literally, and I'd, I'd say consult with your personal financial advisor prior to purchasing, but ticker symbol VXUS, or, and there are many others, but that's an international index that charges almost nothing to own everything but U.S. stocks. It's one click and you're done, or... You want to be even easier, ticker symbol VT, Vanguard, Vanguard's Total World Index. That includes the U.S. and everything else. It's just one fund to rule them all. It's probably my favorite fund. If you ask me, you know, what I'm looking for for my birthday, it's my favorite fund. You know, in-kind gifts of VT. Um, I can't think of a better gift. Uh, as my birthday's coming up here um, at the end of summer, so uh, be thinking about me. So... As always, keep your costs low, keep your investing simple, keep your time.